Audio. This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I am sitting in my home with a stand-up comedian, a writer, a podcaster, the multi-talented Julia Prescott. Hey, hello. Hey, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Thank you so much for coming and doing this. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I have to ask, because I'm going to be looking at you. Are those french fries or matches on your shirt? (laughs) So I'm wearing a shirt for people that can't see, which is everyone. (laughs) Um, I just got it, so, you know, it's, it's new to me. I'm still figuring it out, but it's got these, like... These, like, fashion embellishments where I can tell um, that the designer was, like, probably French, probably smoking a cigarette, like, half eyes open, like, sure, fuck it, put a French fry on it, I don't give a shit. There's, like, no, there's no purpose, but they are French fries, but there is a match. Yeah. And then there's, like, a little speech bubble of, like, what I'm going to call minions gibberish, like, pigeon <laughs> pigeon minion. Um, it, it has no words. And then, like, a little fried egg. And then yeah. a little anchor. I, my coworkers today were asking me about it, and they're like, "What's the story behind that?" I went, "There's, there's none." It feels like almost like a Rorschach test yeah, shirt, like almost where you can say, "Like, what do you see?" I know. I kind, I just love funky little things like yeah. this that don't quite make sense, and it kind of makes me feel um, like something that you find in like Japan or something. Yeah, something random and whatever. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. And I feel like they make fashion in haste in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a better way to make it. Yeah, just absolutely. just throw shit against the wall and go, oh, that's good. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, don't overthink. <laughs> <laughs> don't think about mm-hmm. fashion. Uh, your obsession is so great. I'm oh, so excited to talk I'm about your obsession. Before we get into that, can you tell people a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah. Um, as you said, I'm a stand-up comedian. I'm a writer. I've written on a bunch of different things uh, for television and television-adjacent places like the <laughs> internet. Um, so... I used to write for Vice as a reporter for their online magazine, and okay. then um, I've also written on a bunch of animated shows for Cartoon Network and Disney and Nickelodeon, you name it. Um, and then I've also been around that Screen Junkies universe. Yeah. If that's, I feel like your listeners would probably know Yeah, I've done about some writing it. for Screen Junkies as well. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah? Did you do any of the roasts? I did. Oh, which yeah. ones did you do? Uh, I worked on, well, I, I wrote part of my, uh, my speech as Superman for the Captain America roast. Oh, fun. And then I helped them with the Star Wars and the Batman. Wow, we were like ships in the night because I feel like we were recording the, um, the Walking Dead one the did same you, day. Did you play Carol? I played Carol. Yeah. yeah. Good job. That Thanks. was that was really funny. Yeah, that was really cool because that was that ended up being my set was like their isolated clip that they put around the internet. So that was really fun. I sent it to my manager and she was like, Oh, I understanding what you do now. <laughs> she often feels like a mom <laughs> in a lot of ways. But um yeah, I did that one and then uh, I also did the roast of Harry Potter. I played JK Rowling. Oh nice in that one. So that was really fun. And then I wrote, did not perform though. I thought I was a shoe in I did the roast of um, Beauty and the Beast oh, or whatever. Oh, like the Disney one? The Disney yeah. one. I wrote for Snow White. But then I also like punched up and wrote for other characters. But I thought that since I had already done it twice that they were going to... I look like Snow White. <laughs> Come on. I look on. like hipster Snow White. I look like Coachella Snow White specifically. Um, but they ended up going with somebody I think who has, um, you know, 10 million followers on social media. Yeah. Which yeah. they were right to do. It I is the way have of the a, internet. A paltry four point five thousand. I think <laughs> if I collected them all and you know gave them a big hug. Yeah, got rid of a few bots. Got rid 4. of 4.5. I welcome the bots. Yeah. I just want my numbers to go up. <laughs> I don't really care. <laughs> so bots, if you're listening, please bots, follow listening, both please Julie listen. and I. Um, but fine yeah. writers and performers of <laughs> genre roasts. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So I've done that. And then uh, and then I have some other fun projects that are coming down the pipeline. I uh, My first series that I ever sold, oh, we just nice. shot it. And uh, I don't know if I'm able to announce it yet, but um, it'll be fun. Cool. And other comedians that people probably know will be in it too. And awesome. Yeah, so I'm excited about that. That's great. Yeah, That's great. look at me teasing something I can't tease. <laughs> I really, really like it. It's an honest answer in Hollywood where a lot of people have like something I'm very excited uh, about. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, well, it's a it's a thing, and you guys know how NDAs work. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like almost the opposite of hipster, where like a hipster will like try to tease you right. to make it sound cooler. Like, I'm sorry, it's something that uh, not everybody you know, knows about. Yeah. And then for Hollywood people, it's like, please, when it comes out, I so I want really you to want... know about it. Because also, there's no marketing budget left for anything, I feel. You yeah. Know? Because there is, it is the Wild West in like creating things right now. A lot of things are being greenlit on a lot of different platforms. We were talking off podcast, OP. Uh, about how um, you know, I don't really know what a web series is anymore because everything feels like a web series because yeah. it's all just being streamed and you know there's really no network presence. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. I think I feel like a lot of projects are going out there, but then not a lot of eyes are being able to see it because it's just so many. Yeah, and then um, you know places like Netflix are just sort of dropping shows without much fanfare. No, just they just want people to find it. Somewhere in yeah. the world doesn't so even really matter. You have to take it into your own hands and like really start a buzz on your own, and and that's really hard. It didn't <laughs> used to be that way. Yeah, it used to be like you you sold a show and then you were able to buy a yacht. Yeah, but like I won't be able to buy a yacht till I'm like eighty, I think. No, we can buy some more <laughs> followers on Twitter. And now you know what's have you did you see that article about like the reason why millennials can't buy a house is because they keep buying avocado toast or something yeah. stupid. Yeah, it's like, now that's something else I got to worry about. (laughs) If you can afford avocado toast. Yeah, whatever. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. Uh, Let's get into your obsession. Yes. It's so exciting. Yeah. It is Deaths at Disney. I stepped over you. No, it's great. Let's say it together. Disney Disney Deaths. Deaths. Is this land and world? Yeah, both. Okay. Yeah, I'm obsessed with Disney Deaths and ghost stories. Um, And it's funny because I remember you were on my podcast, The Simpsons Podcast for Feral. And um, afterward, we were talking about this one. Man, this is the inception of conversations about podcasting. We're talking about your podcast after my podcast on another podcast network. Oh, no, the same. Are you? You're on Feral. Yeah, yeah. Even more incestuous. Even more incestuous. Um, But you had said, yeah, you should be on. Um, You know, here's the premise of the podcast. It's about obsessions. What are you obsessed about? And I think in two seconds, I just went Disney deaths. (laughs) like without even hesitating um and then i mean i have other interests like i could have said uh the con brothers i could have said you know disneyland proper but you'd already done a disneyland episode i think um and there's something about i don't know i've always been really intrigued by disney ghost stories and the lore of disneyland okay um i think that it is you know disneyland and like i guess the whole disney corporation as a whole is the closest that we have to a real life like uh willy wonka's chocolate factory yeah and that it's shrouded in mystery and um you know you and that fosters of course like conspiracy theories and urban legends about what they're covering up and how they cover it up okay so you're fascinated with actual verifiable deaths injuries and you're fascinated with the what ghost could stories. have happened? Yeah, what could have happened? Um, there's something about I'm I'm more fascinated. I'm not I'm not obsessed with people dying. I want that to be very <laughs> clear. Like clear. I don't Ooga. think it's really great when people lose their life. I think it's of course very tragic. But I've always been very intrigued with like how they covered it up and. 
I mean, or quote unquote is covering up even, you know, yeah. what had happened, but like the legends that are born out of these incidents. Okay. Well, we'll get into the legends. I want to clarify like one thing though. Is yeah. it, is the fascination specifically, because there are plenty of people who are fascinated with death and, you know, just life coming to an end in weird mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and interesting mm-hmm. ways and places. Um, is it that it's Disney's this magic kingdom and their stated goal explicitly is to create another reality for you? That's a happy yeah. place away from everything else. And the reality that hu- there's still so many humans everywhere. Someone's dying somewhere all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, we're lucky no one's dying in my apartment right now. Uh, yeah. Just death happens. And is it is your obsession that it happens at a magical place and they can't stop it? It's like reality intruding on Disney in a way they can't truly control? A hundred percent. Okay. Yeah, there's some morbid curiosity with it. The stark contrast of it being sold as the happiest place on earth with reality um encroaching that (laughs) is fascinating especially if you know a little bit how disneyland is planned the way that they have you know the walls and the attractions all of this like once you're in disneyland in anaheim i mean i would imagine also for disney world um they have worked very hard for you to not accidentally catch a glimpse of the outside world yeah so that you feel like you are stepping into this other zone where you know you could eat anything you want you could run around you don't, you know there are really no rules in in modern society kind of way and yeah. so when reality like takes a bite out of that that's fascinating to me and it again it's not that i'm like people are dying yay not at all like it's just it's just seeing this corporation that has built this really really strong foundation of this one belief of like you can you know you step into this world and it's a separated zone from the rest of the world to see that be you know poked and like cracked is really interesting yeah to me it is a really interesting metaphor for almost denial like it's denial land in some ways like it is the happiest place on earth but you do have to accept reality and the reality is people die and get injured yes yeah. And maybe our ghosts. <laughs> or maybe ghosts. So I'll get into the ghosts here. But I, the first thing I wanted to ask specifically is when did this obsession happen? Were you always a Disney person and then you stumbled upon a death story? Or how did you get hooked on this path of Disney death obsession? Well, I mean, I was always kind of a Disney person, not in a way that I'm like a pin trader and I'm like obsessed with it. I was kind of like kind of. <laughs> I'm not a pin I'm not. A, I know. I, and it's kind of funny. It feels like I'm a stand up. I don't do improv. Like that's what it feels like. Um, I love Disney, but not that way. Uh, fuck. Yeah. Um, well, my mom uh, has worked for the Disney company since mm. I was two. So, um, you know, we always went to the parks. It was always a presence in my life growing up. And so by way of that, I yeah. just knew a lot about it because it was a fixture in my life. And I think around the time when I was like in late middle school, early high school, um, I started to learn about some of the ghost stories. And then also some incidents had happened, um, you know, some of which I'll talk about, like in 98, you know, a Disney employee was killed. Oh, really? Now that's like two layers of what we just <laughs> talked about, right? Yeah. So not only is this place like supposed to be magical and nothing bad happens as a guest, but then when you're working there, that's like another layer of like, can you imagine working a job and then something happens and you are fatally injured yeah um so i think that kind of sparked my curiosity probably around 98 okay and then did you just start digging yeah and and so there's something about i was weirdly enough like i was a very spooked kid um which i uh point to i grew up in north hollywood and so i was around when the 94 earthquake hit okay and that like changed my childhood 
just drastically. Like I was very bold and outgoing before that happened. And then afterward, I think I had like some remnants of child PTSD. Yeah. I just became very scared of everything. And then I also like just started getting spooked out by, I I think around that time I like learned what the exorcist was (laughs) and was like, now I'm afraid of that. Like every nowhere is safe. Um, and so, but there was something about, I couldn't hear any ghost story because it would just give me the heebie jeebies, but there was something about the ghost stories from Disneyland that were palatable. Oh, they felt safer because these were magical fun yeah, ghost stories. It, yeah, there was something else about it being detached from reality that allowed me to go like, oh, Disney ghosts don't really exist. And then also, <laughs> Disneyland is a place where you're never really alone. I mean, you will hear stories about, I think, back in the day in 60s and 70s when, you know, they didn't have night crews that were constantly okay. going in. But now, I feel like there's always, you know, um, people working at Disneyland. So it also felt like a safe place and didn't disturb me in the same way that a lot of other ghost stories did. Right, because the ghosts come out when you're alone in the haunted yeah. house, but they don't come out when it's daylight and everybody's there. Right, you can right. You never fully be alone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just felt like, oh, there's enough eyes on this ghost thing. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. there's always someone there. Okay, mm-hmm. so you have notes yeah pages and pages of notes yeah a lot Uh, of them are repeats because i went to different websites and just started copying and pasting things so so. tell me about one of your favorite uh your favorite deaths or ghost stories the ones that like captivate you and and you revisit in your mind yeah okay so i'll just go off note uh on the ones that i tell people when they ask me about this um so there's uh this is funny because like the more i researched it the more i realized that this particular story people have like kind of copied and pasted and applied to different it's like a game of telephone yeah like they've applied to different rides in the park but um apparently over the years there's been like you know a constant presence of families approaching the disney company wanting to scatter the ashes of a family member in on a ride in the park so even if the family member hasn't died at Disneyland, they just want to be like reach the top of the Matterhorn sure, or whatever and just I'm chuck sure. it. Yeah, I, I don't have research that supports that specifically, <laughs> but um, there was one ghost story that I would always tell people. And what's fun about these stories is that they don't technically have to be based in fact. It's just like a fun urban legend that yeah. I, I always love telling people. Um, but there was, I think, like a Make-A-Wish kid who's dying wish. Um, was to have his ashes scattered on Pirates of the Caribbean. Again, like, the kid was seven. Like, how much of it was his dying wish? Mm, yeah. How much is uh, yeah, the Yeah, and the parents, just big achievers, big wanted ach- him. They just wanted that as, like, I don't know. Uh, now, I'm, now I'm criticizing this family uh, that may or may not exist. Anyway, uh, so uh, they wanted to scatter his ashes. And Disney was like, ooh, hard pass. Uh, yeah. No, thank you. That's very creepy. But apparently, as the legend has it, the grandmother of this child, um, after he passed, um, went on the ride with like a vial of his ashes yeah. and like scattered them during that, you know, after the drop, uh, the two drops in Pirates of the Caribbean when you're like kind of coasting through that lagoon. Yeah, I have only been there once. So oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, you gotta go again. <laughs> I'm going to go now that uh, I know where to look for the ghosts. Yeah. Um, so apparently she scattered them in that area and that employees and um, people that have gone to the park have um, described seeing like a very shadowy figure of a little boy sort of skipping around and playing in that area. Really? And that is his ghost. Now, as I researched, I found that a very similar story was reported um, for Haunted Mansion. Y- yeah, um, I mean, Haunted Mansion seems a little bit more just straight down the line. Than, yeah, yeah, than Pirates I know. Of the Caribbean. I know. It's a little silly when you read the ghost stories for Haunted Mansion, but, you know, uh, they always like, there's so many websites that 
tell these stories, but they all start with like, you know, cast members, which is what they call Disneyland employees, yeah. um, have reported like that there are certain rooms in the Haunted Mansion that they are too creeped out to go in because of X, Y, and Z. Um, and, you know, ashes scattering are a lot of those ghost stories. Um, apparently when, you know, early, uh, when they were constructing the ride, um, the construction workers that were putting together that one room that has like, uh, the woman's face in the, um, crystal ball. In the, the Haunted Mansion? In the Haunted Mansion. Yeah. yeah. Um, that they kept hearing music playing, okay. but there was like no speaker or stereo, but it was like humming through the wall and they couldn't detect it. Yeah. But it was just like this phantom music. So rumor has it that they like just put a speaker there to like you crank up the volume on the ride so that it wouldn't distract writers from hearing it. Now that seems a little insane. Yeah. But I love it. <laughs> That's like, what I love about the ghost stories that they are just like so bonkers because they're kind of fan fiction-y. Yeah. 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 And they seem to yeah try to get into the, like the lore of the being attracted to what's behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. It's like obviously that's just really the the uh, park workers yeah. doing something to the space. But even the little boy, like Pirates of the Caribbean is like, there are plenty of parts of that ride that are like dark. And if you suggested it to yourself in your mind, you could see anything. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. It's a confirmation bias. It's like psychosomatic. Yeah. Because you're just like imagining it. And that's sort of my feelings on ghosts in general. I'm um, kind of an atheist, agnostic-y yeah. kind of person. And so I don't really believe that um, there's this afterlife where ghosts are kind of like popping out and like wanting to visit us and tell us messages. Yeah. I think that if anything, and this is my super stony thought, um, <laughs> that, you know, that there are several parallel universes um, in the world, in, in all of uh, creation, and that maybe some people exit our plane of existence and get stuck in between and oh, they get on autopilot and that's why you have certain ghost stories where it's like a ghost quote-unquote doing a similar action over and over that's that's me stretching it though i don't know if i completely believe that but i'm like oh well maybe that's one explanation it's great fan fiction great headcanon Uh, i I like the idea that in this alternate reality very similar to ours a little boy somehow got out of the ride and is able to dance around in the I Pirates of the Caribbean know. space where he really shouldn't I, be. I know. He really shouldn't be there. <laughs> he really should not be there. Yeah. So what is it about the like that ghost story? Like Pirates of the Caribbean is a ride. is already a weird ride because mm-hmm. it's the happiest place on earth. Let's celebrate right. the weird story of incredibly violent pillagers. Yeah. And kind of try to make it fun and family friendly, but also a little scary, but not really. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about it that like it dissimilar to Haunted Mansion, like you wouldn't um, anticipate there being a spookiness to that ride. So that is intriguing. And then there's also something kind of Peter Pan-esque about a little boy ghost like running around. Who never has to leave the happiest place on earth. Who never has to leave. Also, I'm not sure if you've heard this, but um, when they first uh, opened the ride, Pirates of the Caribbean, um, they used real skulls in some of the like <laughs> the pirate bones oh, that really? are in that. Yeah, they got it from like the UCLA Medical Center. They were, of course, like deceased cadavers. Yeah. And they took their, I don't know if you still call them cadavers, but whatever. They took their bones because they said, quote, the fake ones looked too fake. <laughs> but then I think that they recently replaced them with fake bones. But that's, that's something that I've heard over and over. Okay. Yeah. So, so silly. So what is your experience then when you go to Disneyland now? Do you still go often? Yeah, yeah. Um, Do you I actually, go looking for this? Um, I don't really go looking for this. That's the thing, too. It's like I don't fully believe in the ghost stories. I just love telling them and collecting them. And, you know, I, I love, like, being 
a kind of tour guide to my friends when we're going through there. It's just like okay. a fun anecdote to sort of say. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I even saw these ghosts. Yeah. I don't know if I would fully believe it. Have but you I, yeah. tried? Um, Have you gone on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride saying, I'm going to see the little skipping <laughs> boy this time? I mean, I think I always curiously look around. Yeah. But I'm not like there with like a, a temperature meter or whatever <laughs> whatever they do on the Ghost Hunters yeah, show. Yeah, the Ghost and, Spectrometer and like, things. Yeah, yeah, what's going on? It's funny. Like, so you read more and more about these ghost stories and uh, there will be the fun stories like the little boy, but then there'll be other more sort of like drier stories of like, yeah, and a lot of the shops on Main Street are haunted. There's like one <laughs> like store that, um, you know, because they embroider your name on the Mickey Mouse yeah. hat. Um, it's like there's a, a sewing machine that's in like one of these stores and like it never gets hot. It's like always cold, even though it's like working all day. And I'm like, okay, dude, whatever. You know, they just report like cold spots and things like that. That is the lamest ghost story. It's the lamest ghost story ever. Yeah, cold sewing machine. It's like a cold sewing machine. It's just like hanging out. There's also um, this rumor that Walt's ghost haunts his apartment, which he had an apartment above the fire station in Disneyland. So when you first walk in, um, you know it has like that whole square right before Main Street really starts. It's got the um, train and it's got like the um, flagpole yeah. and then the fire station. And then he had a, a an apartment up there, of course, because when he was working on it, it's like hard to trek back and forth between Anaheim and where he lived. So um, they said that like one night, you know, a house cleaner was like, you know, trying to clean things up. And uh, there's like this lamp that's right by the window. And so it was on uh, and it was like, I think like a gas-powered lamp or something. I don't know why that's important, but that's what they said. <laughs> and she turned it off and was like, done and done. And then exited the room, came back, it was turned on. And she turned it off again, done and done. And then like walked downstairs and like was walking down Main Street. She saw it in the window that it was turned on and then went back up, turned it off, and then it turned on in front of her. Okay. Now, when I heard that story, <laughs> I was like, there's a lot of steps here. <laughs> that she kept turning it off and on and was like, don't fool me. Like, this seems about normal. Like, I would have freaked out, I think, a little bit earlier than yeah. what she did. So I see the holes in that story for sure. <laughs> but then I also heard another rumor that, like, they kept the light on for another reason. You know, um, I think what it used to be back in the day was like whenever he was visiting or whenever one of like the Disney families was visiting, they huh. would put the light on or okay. something. There's another reason that ain't about no ghost, but okay. I like the lore. I think that's fun. What are, What are you implying? Um. Oh, that. Oh, not that. There's like another supernatural element, but I think that there's. If you go there now and you see the light on, I do not think it's because of Walt Disney's ghost turning it on. <laughs> I think that there's actually a different protocol that they okay. actually put through. Okay. To it. Okay. I love this idea. That's such a weird ghost story to make up too. That no. Walt Disney haunting Disneyland is fascinating. To yeah. Me because then that gets into the meaty like. Well, what did he really intend? Like, yes, he created all these magical things, but he's still a human. He mm -hmm. still had his flaws. So the idea of yeah. him sort of looking over all of it and still kind of trying to control it from the other realm, that's fascinating. Yeah. The idea that he would just, this incredibly creative person who built all this, would just be a dick who flips the light I on and know. off. I know. That's the thing. It's what like... What a boring ghost. What a boring ghost. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting. Like, when... So... 
it, first, it's interesting that ghost stories exist in general. Yeah. That we give them, like, you know, this sort of grandness, like this weird narrative, but that they always end up being the most banal actions, like turning a light on and off or moving, you know, a plate. Yeah. Um, that that makes us spooked out or that that's what we assume people that are, you know, dead and coming back to visit us are actually wanting to do. Yeah. It's just so weird. Yeah, what would Walt Disney do if he was actually alive? What would he, or, or in this other realm, if he was haunting Disneyland, his normal motivation would be that the park is profitable and people are happy, right? Right, right. So you'd think he'd go around, like, haunting the workers. And, like, if somebody, you know, <laughs> dropped do character. Don't Guardians the ride. You are ruining everything I built. Too ride much purist, Too much. It has a short shelf life. Oh, no. <laughs> That's probably what he would do. Yeah, There's absolutely. a lot of really great rumors about that dude. Um, you know, of course, because he was, like, Basically, uh, 21st century, well, I was going to say 21st century um, Charles Foster Kane, but then that was also in the 21st century. <laughs> Ugh, Julia. Um, but no, he he's like such a big figure. So the rumors around him are like crazy. Did you hear that one about how there was like a part of his will um, that said that he would give all of his money, just all of his riches to the first man that ever got pregnant. No. <laughs> um, I researched it a little bit. Of course, that's not true. But that is actually sparked from a trend of a lot of eccentric billionaires would put these like crazy things in their will that would be like when pigs fly. So whatever they determined was the equivalent of when pigs fly, I'm going to donate all of my riches yeah. to this. That that was like what was in his. That was his kind of like, you know, um, bowl of brown M&Ms in the middle of his will. If <laughs> to you make will. sure everyone was reading it correctly. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I was bummed to hear that that wasn't true. Of course, the cryogenic freezing thing isn't true. There was really? like that. Yeah, really. I really yeah. want that I one know. To be isn't true. that a bummer? I mean, maybe it's another thing that is like technically, you know, like a, a different like his part of his DNA is, you know, being held somewhere. I don't know. Maybe it's in that sewing machine. Maybe his head is in that sewing machine if it's big enough. That's why it's always cold to keep his head alive. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, there's another rumor about how um, he had apparently, like, recorded a film message to all of his executives um, a couple years before his death, um, giving them instructions for how to run the company after he was gone. That, unfortunately, is not true. And this is a little off topic, but what's um, most fascinating and is true um, to me about uh, the man Walt Disney was so he had um, started working on the plans for Disney World before he died. Um, of course, Disney World opened after his passing, but um, his first plan was Epcot. Uh, which originally stood for, and I guess still does, um, Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow. Um, He imagined it to not be a theme park, but a place where people would live. And it would be like the real Tomorrowland. Like people would shack up and buy a condo in Epcot and like just have this like future world which kind of reminds me of the TV show Under the Dome. Even yeah. though I've never seen it, but I imagine it to be... It's in the ball, yeah. In the dome. Uh, in the ball. Yeah, but then, um, of course, that ended up not happening, and that's why we have, like, half of that park is devoted to, like, scientific rides. Um, I think that there's still, like, a Bill Nye and Ellen DeGeneres ride from the 90s. <laughs> but then the other half is, like, this world showcase. But that idea wasn't completely scrapped. I'm not sure if you know about Celebration Florida, but it was Mm, a Disney-owned town in Florida that 
It looks like Main Street USA. It just looks like Pleasantville. And Disney owned it um, until fairly recently, um, a couple years after the first murders had occurred in Celebration Florida. And I think that that sparked a series of events that made Disney go, we don't want to be associated with this anymore. Yeah. But the fact that they owned a town is kind of crazy. It's really crazy. And I've actually kind of known people that have lived there, and I want to ask them all the questions. Yeah. I mean, I don't really believe in ghosts. I try to keep an open mind, but I feel like, yes, yeah, some of the things that people say of like lights flicking on and off, it's like, well, electricity's weird. Uh, yeah. So there's that. Um, but I would believe ghosts much more quickly for an abandoned Disney town. I know. That's like separate from the park and, and in Florida, too. And that's a story. That's a made for TV movie. Absolutely. I'm going to write. Can I tell you another favorite ghost story? Please of do. Mine? So um, a lot of these occur in Grad Night, uh, which is. Uh, for those of you that don't know, um, pretty much everybody in like the SoCal area, um, when they're in high school, senior year, they go and spend the night at Disneyland. Oh, the whole much. night. Okay. Yeah. So it's like 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. Uh, I went with my high school um, and it was, uh, you know, kind of cool to see the sunrise uh, while you're like getting out of Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. <laughs> um, and then you do the zombie walk to the school bus. But uh, in like the 60s and 70s, um, they would have grad night. And of course, you know. Things were different back then. Security was different. And there are so many instances that you read about, um, you know, like kids like trying to stay in the park after hours and they like hang in a bathroom and then they wait until like the whole park is closed and they go out. And this is real. Um, There were a couple of Disney deaths where, um, you know, two brothers were trying to swim to Tom Sawyer Island after hours and get caught in the current and drowned. Wow. So that's a total fucking bummer. And so that's an actual That's a death. real one. Yeah. Um, but then there was another one that I uh, always knew about and then um, I think is a real death. But of course, the ghost story is, you know, up to interpretation. <laughs> but um, there was this ride called the People Mover in Tomorrowland, which um, they still have in Disney World. But they used to have it on this track that it would go into Space Mountain. It would go around Tomorrowland and it kind of like a monorail but they had like individual cars okay um and uh, it would be like you room for you and like through other people whatever so um and then in the 90s they turned it into a ride called rocket rods that was very short-lived and terrible but anyway (laughs) people mover um there was a story about i think in the 60s 70s uh a teenager i think during grad night was trying to impress his friends and and his girlfriend um and was hopping from car to car Okay. And just making a game out of it. And as they were hopping, I think their pant leg, I'm going to assume a bell bottom, got trapped. <laughs> I'm just going to say, <laughs> got trapped for my visual in my head only, got trapped underneath um, the car as it was moving. And as they were trying to save themselves, um, you know, was trying to pull on the car to lift themselves up and actually pulled on their girlfriend's hair, who was wearing a, a long braid, and then got crushed and died. The. The puller got crushed, or yeah, the, the girlfriend? Uh, no, not the girlfriend. Oh, the good. guy that was that that was crushed underneath the car. Um, and I think I don't know if this is the story. The ghost story is is linked to the real death. There was a death on the People Mover, but the legend has it the ghost story is you know if you would ride the People Mover after that happened, um, be aware if you are a lady with a long braid because you will feel a tug <laughs> on your hair. Okay, so this is just kind of standard. The actual death is he was jumping yeah. back and forth of the, the tracks, right? Yeah, just being yeah, an yeah. asshole. So this is like standard. I mean, I'm sorry the person died, but this is standard human hubris leading to yeah. a death. And then how how and why do you think it immediately becomes 
a ghost story? Is there a community of people who right, want this to be a ghost story? Like, do you feel alone? Or like, I know there's so many different people who are fans of the parks in different ways, and like their clubs and groups and the pin collecting and all that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is there a group of ghost Disney people who like oh, yeah. get together and and want to fabricate these stories? I don't know if that's their intention. I don't know if they like have meetings where they're like, which of these deaths are we going <laughs> to fucking spin? Um, we got to cycle these but out. That's, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if that would be, I don't know if you'd be able to track that. Yeah. You know, it is like a game of telephone and like, where do these stories come from in general? It's, it's like, where do urban legends start? Yeah. Too? Well, do you think modern Disney wants ghost stories obviously modern modern disney doesn't want deaths and they don't want people to right. focus on the real deaths because there are a decent yeah. amount of like people are on a bumpy ride and they're old and they have a heart attack like, yeah there's yeah, a, yeah plenty of those kind of just oh yeah sad but not shocking deaths and obviously disney wants to downplay those mm-hmm. but do you think that without ever embracing it publicly they're happy to have more mystique build up around deaths because right. it's it's gross and sad to go an idiot jump between tracks and then his head got crushed. Now there's suddenly some creepy romance to it. If you're like, your hair might get tugged. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, no representative from the Disney company would confirm and say, yes, that's what we want. But I think that in general, um, I think that it speaks more for the fans of Disney of them saying, this is what we want in some degree. Yeah. I think that it does amp up like the fun and mystery, especially for things like Haunted Mansion or, you know, to create more lore to it is what makes it, um, you know, endure and makes it more appealing. And yeah. um, I think that it enhances the experience of the super fans that go and can kind of like myself when I go with my friends and go, oh, you know, this is an interesting tidbit. There was a rumor and it has been um confirmed it is not true but i love this rumor oh my god it was so funny um so haunted mansion went through a refurbishment i think in the mid 90s okay and um after when it reopened there was a new addition to the front area of haunted mansion with um, a hearse and like a ghost horse if you remember from your visit um and like what made it spooky was um that you know like the ghost horse it it just looks like there's no horse there but it looks like it has like all the little horse like gears on it okay and like a little feather or whatever (laughs) um and so you know it's like the disney version of spooky but then a rumor started that the casket inside the hearse was actually the same casket um, that Brigham Young was buried in, <laughs> which was just like so silly, you know, uh, like the head of the Mormon church. Um, why would he donate or yeah. why would the family allow that? Uh, just so crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's getting into like wanting to have other weird conspiracies connect to it. Yeah. Um, so about that, the romanticizing. You had said uh, that you, through real life, horrible things happening, had become a little frightened of the world, Mm -hmm. but you still went to Disneyland and you could deal with the horror there. Did this very romanticized, very low-level scary at Disney, did that help you process your fear and deal with actual scary things? I think so, in a way that I wasn't conscious of at the time, of course, because I wasn't self-aware enough of my own emotions. I was like you know, um, 11 or 12. So I was like just starting to become like a real thinking person. Um, but I think that it did help remedy in some way, like sort of meet halfway of this, you know, traumatic event that I had encountered, um, through the Northridge quake, which was really like the first time that I felt 
helpless. Um, you know, like I, I didn't have any way to defend myself, even though I had, you know, two parents that were like taking care of us and whatever. Um, it just felt like there was nowhere I could run and that no room was safe. Yeah. But then to have this place that I felt is like the most safe, but then having these little glimpses of danger, it kind of helped like blend the two in my brain. And I don't know if it gave me like a real clear message of, it's okay, you know, it's yeah. going to be all right. But I think subconsciously I kind of just processed it as, well, if bad things happen at Disneyland as well, maybe that's fine. Yeah, maybe yeah. bad things happen everywhere. If they happen in the happiest place on earth, yeah. they're just a thing I need to deal with. But there was something that there was. St- I still felt comforted by it because I just felt like there was this protective task force at Disneyland. So if anything were to go down, like... God forbid we had another earthquake. God forbid, you know, other things happened to me or my family. I just felt like I was still taken care of there. I don't know. It's weird. (laughs) You mean just because of the actual truth of the park that it is so well maintained and so well Mm -hmm. run in their tunnels and people pop out of tunnels and deal with secret doors and deal with problems and make it all go away? Yeah. There was something about like if ghosts could exist anywhere, then I'm okay with them existing at Disneyland. Yeah. Yeah. I talked in the the episode I did do about Disneyland. I talked about like, would it be a good place with my guest for like the zombie apocalypse? And she was like, yeah, absolutely. Because everybody is on board with taking, making problems go away. Yeah. My answer for that is the new Ikea in Burbank. That's my zombie apocalypse. (laughs) They would never get out of it, right? They would never. They would, they would just get lost. It's not like it was impenetrable. They just would get distracted by textiles. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They feel so nice. They feel so nice. Uh, But yeah, no, I, and uh, the you mentioned the tunnels. Um, that's something that is like pretty infamous about Disneyland. Um, that they have like a whole system of tunnels underneath the park for emergency situations. And that's and then, true, right? That is true. Okay. Yeah. In fact, I've actually been inside them, but not when I was like old enough to really remember. My parents told me my sister. Um, so my sister's two years older than me, and I think she was like four. I was two. Okay. And we went to Disneyland, and she had like you know in the way that all toddlers do, like flung herself away from my parents' grasp, and then like ran right into the gate that surrounds Haunted Mansion oh, no. and, and injured herself pretty bad. And my mom said that it was like just an inch away from her eye. It could have been really, really bad. But then she got rushed underneath the tunnels to the um, whatever urgent care that they have underneath the park. Okay. And so my family got to go down there. And so I've technically been there, but I don't remember it at all because I was two. So are there people, adult people, not mm-hmm. uh, obviously your sister was a little kid and it was an accident, but are there people who are so obsessed with seeing what's underneath <laughs> it that they would like go somewhere and cut themselves? I bet. To get taken into the tunnels. I've never heard that story, but I bet it exists. Yeah, I feel yeah. bad for throwing that out there. As Ooh, <laughs> I know, as bait, you're just dangling the carrot. I know I'm so many sure. people who want to, who have that that attraction, uh, re- revulsion with knowing that it is this magic place, yeah. but then the secret real world still is functioning behind it all and wanting to see it so bad. It's so interesting because they really do want to perpetuate that. They really, really want, they like can, they want to dine out on this mystique. Yeah. And they do a really good job maintaining it. I mean, the fact that Club 33 is a thing that exists, right? So this is exclusive club in Disneyland, which is technically the only place where alcohol is served in the Disneyland park. Yeah, there's the California Adventure side has yeah, alcohol, it, but Disneyland prop. Right? For some, yeah, for some fucking reason <laughs> that maybe Walt Disney had decreed there's no alcohol that's um, served in Disneyland except I feel for this haunted one spot. By that I mean, hello. Yeah. Well, you can flask it like the rest of us, <laughs> but you know, if you want to go above the bar, like you can go to Club Thirty Three. But 
the fact that they're like, ooh, secret club, and you have to like pay tens of thousands of dollars to be a member of, they love that secrecy, and they know that that's what's maintaining their brand. Yeah, and that's fascinating because it's so like kind of in line with some of the classic Disney stories where there's kind of a moral of we're all the same except mm-hmm. for the prince and princess Ooh, and the queen they're for... all regal and above us so like, I know I kind know. of populist yeah. but not really it's just so interesting it's it's just fascinating if if I'm looking at this at a very like macro stony like we're all just specks of dust and like we're living <laughs> in this like cosmic sort of ant farm yeah it's so interesting to me that human beings have evolved to a point where we created a thing like Disneyland <laughs> and that there is like this really weird tug of war of like wanting and despising it at the same time yeah. because we know that we're influenced by it and they know that they're influencing us but we still buy into it it's like consumerism at its peak it's really interesting yeah to me it's like yeah consumerism and denial I mean go- going yeah. to a place where you you feel no reality mm-hmm. is a form of willing denial and i think it's healthy up to a point it is healthy up to a point and i know and then you get into the people that like go there every day of their lives and they make it their life and yeah and, and at so that point it's not denial that. right because then they're just surrendering they're yeah. leaning in they're not lying down yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh do you have any other specific ghost or death stories that you want to share from your copious notes Ooh, um well uh let me see here yeah there's a ton of like um you know, swimming over the rivers of America, there was... Um, Are there any that haunt you that actually, like, stick in, in your, your head in a in a bad way or a powerful way? Yes. Um, so there was an incident. I uh, don't have the facts in front of me right now. But um, I think in the early aughts, there was an incident that happened on Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Okay. Um, and maybe you remember this, but um, the tr- the front of the train just completely went off the track. Oh, just actual yeah. ride malfunction. Yeah. Okay. Super ride malfunction. And um, I remember hearing that one of the guys like was um, decapitated. Oh. But I don't know if that's true, but definitely something something that happened and he was crushed and um i just remember hearing that story and everybody kind of being spooked out by it for like a couple weeks in the news and that it was you know the employees had like forgotten to do one you know like maintenance check and then like this thing Mm -hmm. happened it introduced human fallibility into the argument for me and i just remember years after that and to this day really um you know being a little spooked out when i go on that ride i still go on the ride yeah and in in a way where i kind of argue well now it's the safest it's ever been you know (laughs) because now they're super monitoring it um but i would be on the ride and kind of guess which part it happened oh and that would freak me out um, so that was really, really spooky. And then sometimes I get a little freaked out on, um, remember in the nineties, there was a story about, um, a family that went on the Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin ride in Toontown. <laughs> Sorry. Just knowing that some horror is coming. I know. And then hearing that title. I know. And, uh, I think this four-year-old child had oh. like escaped from, you know, whatever like seatbelt situation and tried to wander out of the ride and then just got immediately pinned down by um the little car and like dragged yeah and so did not die but um well actually didn't die immediately had suffered brain injuries had lived as kind of a vegetable for years after that and i think that he eventually did die when he was like 12 or 13 okay such a bummer so those stories 
kind of spook me out. And those stories aren't fun. Those That's what I'm talking about. Like, I'm not fascinated or I'm not, like, giddy when I hear tragic stories like yeah. this. It's interesting to me. And I have to, out of morbid curiosity, I've got to read more. Yeah. Yeah. yeah to kind of know what the actual reality of it is. So, yeah, it sounds like there are those, like, real things that happen that you hear about. But Disney manages to make them dissipate pretty quickly. Yeah. So there is that whole rumor and it's half true half not of um how disney has protocol for they want to um like keep the number of disney deaths on their property pretty low okay that technically there's only like nine disney deaths that they can claim but um beyond that that if you actually look at the bigger picture there's way more because what ends up happening is um there's a difference between pronounced dead and like time of death um so if you are say like in a car accident and you get thrown into um, an ambulance and you have all of these like gadgets that are maintaining your breathing, though you are like pretty much dead um, or getting there. Um, That's sort of what they rely on that. Like their protocol is they, a want to get you the health attention that you need immediately. Um, It's, I don't think all evil, but B also, don't want to claim another life on their property. Yeah. And that's sort of why they have the urgent care underneath, even though, you know, that's still Disney property. But um, most often they will rush you off um, in Disney World because it is, you know, like so cut off from civilization. They will airlift you out and just try to keep that number count low. Okay. So they just want to get you literally off the grounds as soon as humanly possible. As soon as, yeah. Mm, okay, so that's, yeah. that's that's good to know for anybody yeah. who's taking my dumb suggestion of cutting themselves. Please don't. <laughs> They'll just Don't do you it. You're not going to see it. You're probably going to, yeah. And I mean, they're very safe too. It's it, Again, it's not like an evil, evil company. I do not believe that. Um, they have like an infirmary on campus and you can go over there and like if you are um, anything from a headache to, you know, a, a slightly more serious injury, you can get it taken care okay, of. Okay, so they have an above ground happy infirmary yes yeah <laughs> a positive one yeah with yeah. a song playing with a song yes absolutely goofy will put a band-aid on you and thankfully yes and thankfully whenever i've gone there for aspirin or whatever um they have not been like busy it's always okay. been like a bunch of <laughs> nurses being like what up what and i'm like hey yeah. how's your day <laughs> i want to imagine that they have like a trap door for anybody who is turns out is grievously injured yeah and I, they just like get them out of there I right think away that it also i'm in i wouldn't say that disney's the only one that does this but I, I think at least for the safety of the person that's injured but then also for the safety of the other patrons of the park like yeah they don't want to disturb their day um yeah. you know and it's i don't think it's all of self-interest of maintaining this like squeaky clean image i think that if they had like imagine what happens on a freeway with a car accident right. like a bunch That's of rubberneckers they don't want to have that be a distraction from that person getting the attention that they need yeah absolutely mm-hmm. so this is a little bit of a macabre question uh, and then we'll move on but i need to ask if you were going to die at disneyland hmm. and you got to haunt it so you you had to face your your end let's say you're yeah. uh, 107 years old you've lived a yeah. long and wonderful life disneyland of course is still here because it can survive anything mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. And your end that you have to meet comes at Disneyland and you get to have a cool haunting story that adds to the romance of the place. Ooh. Is there a ride you want to go on? Is there a myth that you want where people, you know, see this woman doing this cool thing or doing this <laughs> weird thing? Are you skipping? Right. Are you whistling? Um, I would say if I were to pick a ride, it would probably be the Indiana Jones ride. Just because that that seems to be the most, um, you know, like uh, 
accommodating for living in in your afterlife it's got a lot of nooks and crannies you can kind of chill out in yeah um and uh i think that my disney death would be the cleanest one she did not feel any pain um i don't know if i would be flung from the car maybe i would have like an ashes scattering like oh she died and her ashes were scattered and then you could see her kind of like hanging around that one area of the Indiana Jones ride when you go over the bridge and there's like a big like skull that's flaming and stuff. Then yeah. there's like a little area below that that's like kind of like you can hang out in and have a good time. I yeah. would just chill there. you just chill there? Would you be like reading a book or doing any activity? Oh, you know what? I'm going to change my answer. Jungle Cruise for <laughs> okay. sure. Yeah, actually, because now that I'm thinking about it, there are way more places for me to like read a book. I get get all my reading done in the afterlife. Yeah, it's like a Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> I like to yeah, just... I would just do that. It'd be, that would be that would feel more like a vacation. Yeah. So are you sitting like, on one of the boats? Floating? Mm, I would probably be like uh, walking around one of the corners where all the fake animals are. <laughs> you know, the little the little trellis. I'd be like, oh, I'm chilling. Oh by, yeah, I like that. By like the robot snake. Okay, yeah. yeah. Did you I know there was a, a real woman by the, by the <gasps> oh, robot snake? She was reading lady? a New Yorker. You know that subscription. <laughs> it does not read itself. And she thankfully has all of her afterlife to finally get to it. Get all caught up. That is great. If I had to die at Disneyland, I would want to die in line. So as a ghost, yeah. I could entertain people in line and help out with oh, that. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, I'd try to be nice. There's um, one ghost that's kind of similar to that, but it's... Like one that kept coming up in all of my research, Mr. One Way, <laughs> where I know what a name. Uh, it sounds like like Mr. Goodnight, um, which I, is a comedian. <laughs> now that I'm remembering, but he haunts Space Mountain, um, and he's most often described as a quote friendly ghost who appears in the line. Aww. This is the silliest part. This is the silliest part. He appears in the line as a living person. Uh, get real, okay? Chatting and enjoying the day. Can you imagine? So sometimes he's described as a grown man with reddish hair, sometimes as a child. The child interacts with other guests, but it soon becomes obvious he is, quote, not from our time. (laughs) So silly. The spirit will board the ride next to a single rider. So this ghost, this is your ghost. Yeah. He boards the ride. He waits in line, but then he disappears by the end of the ride, and another ghost haunts Space Mountain with less frequency. This ghost is called, are you ready for this? Yeah. The silliest thing ever. This is like the most Disney thing. This is written by a Disney intern. Yeah. Disco Debbie. Her name is Disco Debbie. She allegedly is the ghost of a former cast member who died while working on Space Mountain. She is characterized by a phosphorescent green glow. Yeah. Horseshit. Okay. Horseshit. Horseshit. <laughs> I call horseshit on that. We're going to move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions. These are questions I ask all my guests or variations of them, uh, and there are no right or wrong answers. Do you think about uh, ghosts and death at Disney every day? Um, not every day, but certainly every time I go to Disneyland. Okay. Yeah. And you do you seek it out, or is it more that you're do, being a tour guide for your friends like you were describing? I'm being a tour guide for my friends, but then uh, I frequently check... I have my Disney websites that I check. Um, my favorite is isitpacked.com. Okay. Um, even when I'm not going to Disneyland, I just want to know, is it packed? <laughs> you just know. Yeah. It's a, it's a crowd forecaster. I just want to check in on my boys at How Disneyland. How busy is Mr. One Way going to be? How is it going to be? Um, but then they there's a great website, Mice Chat, which is like general Disney news. But then sometimes it'll be scattered with um, Disney ghost things and other creepy okay. stories. Um, and so I'll check that pretty often. Okay, That's cool. like my bored internet thing. <laughs> uh, when people walk into your home, can they tell you're obsessed with Disney deaths? 
Uh, no, but I do have a giant poster of a Disneyland map from 1968 in my office. Okay. So they know that I've got like Disney things. And then when they ask me about it, I also have a big coffee table book of Disneyland maps that I, that's really cool. It like oh, yeah. folds out in a really cool way. Um, so people know that I, I'm into Disney stuff and I think that it's like the second beat in a conversation where I'm like, oh, did you know? Okay. So you engage with stories. Okay. Yeah. So first people would recognize that you're into Disney. Uh-huh. And then as soon as you pull out the map, you go, well, yeah. here's the people mover. Yeah. And you know what happened Oh, there. did you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like it in that way instead of like wearing it. I mean, so I'm also could say I have a Simpsons podcast. I'm obsessed with the Simpsons. I have a Simpsons tattoo. So that's a little bit more apparent. But yeah. we've talked about that, <laughs> Joseph. Yes, we have on your wonderful <laughs> Simpsons podcast. Uh, if you heard someone say an incorrect fact about Disney ghosts or deaths at a party, would you correct them? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, have my you, God. Has this 100%. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's not so much in a way where I'm like, actually, you know, like the rest of the internet, I just would go, well, you know what I actually heard? And I guess actually is in there. Um, whatever. <laughs> that you actually heard it. Not that yeah, it's actually yeah, yeah. true. I, it's, I try to approach it in a kinder way because I just don't want to be that guy. Um, yeah. But if I hear people talking about it, I immediately engage. I found out that a guy who works across from me uh, in a cubicle at work, um, he uh, used to be an Imagineer and I freaked out and was like, way to bury the fucking lead. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the people that design the Disney rides. Yeah. And uh, I just, I'm whenever I find people like that, I'm like, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the lore. I want to know what you know. I want to share what I know, you know. And uh, yeah, so that's how I connect with other obsessives. Okay. Yeah. So when you corner an Imagineer uh-huh. about lore, are their ghost stories the same as yours or do they have like slightly different details? I find that it's like a little bit of both. So, okay. you know, we always... Like, I feel like everybody knows, like, the same handful. There's, like, five that we go to. Mr. One Way uh, was appearing <laughs> on a lot of different websites, so I imagine that to be a lot of people's top five. But then I love hearing their variations on it. But then they also have really great, um, you know, trivia, of course, of different, like, ride creations and sort of blueprints for other things. Like, um, m- one of my favorites is uh, I recently got to go to Tokyo Disney. I oh, went cool. to Tokyo on my honeymoon. And um, they have uh, Tower of Terror there. Um, but it's like a different concept. It's not Twilight Zone. It's sort of based around this character that they had created of like this um, explorer, this this like adventurer traveler type who, you know, he traveled the world and it's sort of like around the world in 80 days kind of era style. Okay. Um, and he's like, travel the world. And he bought this um, hotel and the hotel stores all of his, you know, like Indiana Jones type uh, collections of like tiki masks and things like that. And that the concept of the ride is that he stole the wrong tiki mask and now it haunts this hotel. Right. So um, I found out that the uh, image of this explorer guy was based on an actual Imagineer who may have designed it, I would imagine. Um, So it's in his likeness. And that apparently um, when these like Japanese businessmen were like visiting the facilities for the Imagineering, um, they saw this guy and was like, what? It's you from the ride and like freaked out. So I think that's a fun, cool story. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. absolutely. So uh, he's, he was still alive. He was still alive. Yeah. But so maybe I, he'll haunt the Tower of Terror <laughs> when he's of haunting. dead. That's really, really cool, though, to be famous for I being know. Uh, the, yeah, the guy from the ride. That's really, yeah, really cool. Yeah, just to be immortalized like that is really, really cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, would you ever write a poem 
about Disney ghosts <laughs> I don't know if I would write a poem, but I, uh, in college, very briefly was like, I'm going to write a Disneyland book for fucking sure. And then I like was very serious about it for about a week and a half and then <laughs> realized that there are already 47 other books about Disneyland and that I needn't bother. Yeah. Um, but I would for sure write. If given the opportunity, if they were like, Julia, just write it about Disney deaths and ghosts. I'd be like, hell yeah, let's yeah. do this. Because it seems like maybe part of your obsession is that in a not- know-it-all way not jerky not well actually way that you like being a holder of knowledge yeah about disneyland and disney world yeah yeah i do i enjoy it and i i don't find like a lot of other obsessions um that it and this has never truly appealed to me of being like nerd cred you know um i i know more about this thing i'm closer to this thing because i find that a lot of like fandom where the fan like the source of it is like a a band or like a living breathing thing yeah that it becomes this competition of like who can be more knowledgeable and closer to it the fact that disney ghosts and disney deaths are so intangible it's not something that you know you can go and be like i got to know this person more or you know it's not like i can become buddies with disney deaths and disney ghosts so it's not this weird social competition so it feels like a kinder kind of obsession and when i find other obsessives i don't feel in competition with them yeah and by its nature you can have different versions of like here's what i believe to be true about debbie disco yeah and it's just always yeah it's a fascinating story it's the fun anecdotes the fact that they feel like they couldn't possibly be true is appealing to me as well (laughs) um and it feels like campfire stories yeah 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 absolutely um now, I know you're married now, uh, but in your dating years, would you have ended a relationship if somebody was like, I do not want to hear a damn thing about the ghost of Disney. I'm not okay with this. Um, I mean, that would probably be... If anybody said that sentence to me, there would probably be other reasons why we should break okay. up. Um, but it wouldn't be a deal breaker in, in that clean of a way. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like if anybody... Well, actually, I don't know. It just seems like they don't like to have fun. <laughs> what are you talking so about? Ghosts at Disney? Yeah. Come so on, if you what do you went... got against Ghosts at Disney? Yeah. I, I Yeah. To me, that it seems like it's not a huge part of your life because it's something that you are thinking about internally. Mm-hmm. And maybe you'd like to express it in fun different ways, but mm-hmm. it's mostly when you talk to people about it or go to Disney. I'll, I'll light up with it. If I yeah. hear people talking about it, I want to enter that conversation. But it isn't something that... I, I wear every day. So I, I don't think that that's, I mean, unless it was my profession, I don't think that that's something that would be possible in kind of the way I live my life. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> to go back to your previous question, I think I would probably end a relationship if that person just like hated Disneyland. Yeah. I think that that's very telling. I had a roommate who hated Disneyland and I couldn't understand them. Yeah. I just couldn't understand them. And we would talk about it. And I think she said something like, oh, every time I go, it's so busy and I don't like lines. And so I just don't like it. Yeah. But to me, I'm also a person that on like multiple occasions, especially when I was freelancing, I would drive down to Disneyland and I don't have a pass. My mom does. So I usually get in with her. But I would just go and hang out at the Disneyland hotel with my laptop and do my writing. And then when I was done, I would just go to um, the tiki bar there and reward myself. And then I would just go home. I didn't go to Disneyland or anything. So I just like being there. So for somebody to say, I don't like Disneyland, I don't like the lines. Well, honey, I've gone to Disneyland and I haven't even gone on a single ride. I've had trips like that. Yeah. I just like being in its walls. Yeah. Have a little fun in your life. Being, in, But you still feel that magic, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Because that hotel it's, is really it's nice. It's really that not about bar the is, rides. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it is and it isn't. Like, who cares about the rides? I've been on the rides a million times. I'm fine with going on them, but um, I just like being there. Yeah, I think there is an element to it of you do have to open your heart a little bit Mm because I certainly have, like, criticisms or, you know, big thoughts about what does it mean? Is it okay? Obviously, I called it denial land three times on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, I totally enjoyed it. I I totally opened myself to, like, hey, if if a place has been designed to transport me away from my normal life, for a little while, I can enjoy that. I respect the pageantry. Yeah. That to me, <laughs> yes. I'm like, you guys, here's the thing too that links back to who I am in this world. I, I love it when people try hard and do a good job. Yeah. You know, I love it when people give a shit and no one like can give more of a shit than Disneyland. Like Disneyland gives the most shit about like what they do and how they do it. Yeah. And so that of course seeps into their protocol with all of these Disney deaths and situations like that. But they have a crew that they've like round the clock people that are working on uh, the park. They have a night crew that comes in, cleans it up, repaints things that need repainting. They don't miss a fucking beat yeah. because this is like the area where they shine. They know that this is where their money comes from. It's not coming so much from the movies as it is from the parks. Yeah. So, but then they also have this dedication that I find to be, you know, despite your feelings on Walt Disney as a man, to be kind of beautiful and honoring this legacy of a businessman who wanted to create something that was truly unique. Truly special. Yeah. And truly made yeah. people happy. Yeah. yeah and there's I've, something about that that really is appealing to me. Yeah. And I think that there is, once you get past uh, skepticism and, and sort of cynicism, there is a very honest transaction. Yeah. So it is consumerism. It is capitalism elevated to a, a beautiful art form. But mm-hmm. it's very honestly like you give us a lot of money mm-hmm. and we will do everything in our power humanly possible to give you this very joyful experience. Yeah. So it's super honest. There is a sense we're working for you yeah. when you go in there. And that even goes to fucking Guardians of the Galaxy the Right. <laughs> They're like, we've heard your queries. Yes, here you go. There is something that feels like we want to take care of you. This is your day. Yeah. I truly believe it too, because I actually used to work for the Disneyland resort, not in the um, park itself, but I worked at downtown Disney when I was in college. So I went to Chapman and that's like five minutes away and everyone before they hit that graduation stage has to work at Disneyland. (laughs) Okay. Um, So I kind of know I've been through their orientation. I kind of know how they operate things a little bit over there. And you know, it, it's people that have been fans of Disneyland forever, so they actually want to be there. Yeah. That alone is, like, crazy huge. Um, and then, you know, so they're excited. That becomes palpable. Other people are excited that are visiting the park. It's just like this swirl of something that feels yeah. truly unique. Cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's awesome. So here's my final how obsessed are you question. Uh, and sometimes I try to make these a little, a little challenging to truly mm-hmm. figure out how obsessed people are. If you could never speak about Disney deaths again until you fabricated one of your own, and tried to start pawning it off to people as a real thing that happened. Would you do that? Or would that violate anything for you? I'm a writer. I would do it tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) I would do it tomorrow. And I think that that would be okay because so many of these feel like a fabrication. Absolutely. Yeah. And it would be hard to fact check it. So I would do it tomorrow. It seems seems like a really fun exercise. Yeah. You get to decide what era of the park, what ride, what kind of, you know, these stories tap into like other kinds of ghost stories, like the tugging on specifically women's ponytail. Yeah. I mean, there's another one where, um, and this was to go back to what you were saying, like, what is the 
transition period between an actual Disney death and a ghost story. This started as a Disney death where a guy was like trying to sneak into the park by climbing the fence and crawling over the monorail track. And yeah. he actually got slammed by the monorail and like pulled 20 feet. Oof. Yeah. So now there are reports of seeing like a ghostly figure like dancing along the track <laughs> and doing the moonwalk and stuff. Um, yeah. It's just like, it's so crazy. Like all these stories. It's just, there's, they're just all so interesting in their own very specific ways. And I think that that's because of, you know, like the specificity within each ride fosters its own kind of specific like, ooh, this ghostly music in Haunted Mansion. Ooh, yeah. this boy. Like, like, can you imagine like a better playground for a young boy than Pirates of the Caribbean? It just no. feels like it matches. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And in a way, as I was reading these, I was like, it was kind of lazy writing, you know, because <laughs> it was just so obvious. But, um, but I think that that's what uh, sparks the most intrigue because it just feels like it's now expanding the network of what they already know about the park. Yeah. Yeah. The story of the park but then there's also not to sidetrack too much but like there's lore of store the, the story of the ride so it's almost like the imagineers have created this spark that then the people that come to the park are adding to like um the story of the pirates of the caribbean ride every ride has a story um when the imagineers concoct it yeah and uh, so oftentimes you'll see this uh whatever the story of the ride of the guardians of the galaxy is like they're trapped in this one thing they got to break out whatever that's the story yeah. of the ride but apparently the story of pirates of the caribbean is that uh when you first enter it and you're in that lagoon area next to the restaurant yeah there is you know the banjo playing there's all the dragonflies there's a man who's in a rocking chair on his porch Apparently, the whole ride is that man uh, remembering his days in yesteryear of being a pirate. Oh, so there's a there's a happy ending really at the very beginning that yeah. he, he survived all the rum and, and the adventure. He's remembering all this stuff. So then you have that, and that of course, you know, it's it's not hard to then expand from there and imagine ghost stories that exist yeah. within there. Yeah, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. I ask everyone to make a noise to sum up their obsession. What noise would you make to sum up your obsession? <gasps> that's sort of what i when i come across a new one. <gasps> oh, yeah is, is it like you feel like you know them all so you're excited when you get a new one uh yeah yeah, yeah. to a degree <gasps> yeah I, I i'm just like oh that's a new one i haven't heard or <laughs> it's it's just interesting and and then i'm curious how that started even though it's impossible to track i think that the fact that it is impossible to track when the ghost stories start makes it better for yeah. me i don't know i like there being a little bit of mystique and intrigue yeah that's great Mm -hmm. uh, so I rate people's obsessions on a scale of one to seven. Mm -hmm. been trying a new thing uh, where we'll say out of seven ghosts, yeah. uh, one being the lowest, seven being the highest. Where do you think you are? How many ghosts obsessed are you with Disney deaths? Um, I mean, so, yeah, it's interesting. I think that it, it that depends on the definition of, like, obsessed. Yeah. Um, is it something that you think of daily? No, not really. Is it something that when it is introduced into a conversation, I immediately go, this is all I want to talk about, so sorry. Like, I'd have to tell my husband, I'm, you're going to have to just sit through this for a second because <laughs> I'm going to have to get to the bottom of it. Which I don't know if I do for even The Simpsons. Well, no, that's not true. I do it. <laughs> every day um but uh but yeah so i think that within the context of a conversation if it is introduced by someone else i'm seven but i think that overall in my daily life i have a lot of other things that occupy my time and yeah. my mental space i'd probably say i'm 4.5 yeah 4.5 4.5 yeah yeah i'll go 4.51 one more yeah, one yeah, more yeah. If, uh, it, if it's thank you so much that's <laughs> so kind of you if it's like um a trending topic online or if i see an article i will click it yeah but I don't seek it out 
all yeah. the time. Yeah. yeah, I really like uh, one of the things I like about doing the podcast is playing around with what is the definition of obsession to different people. Yeah. And I, I like talking to people like you who have this obsession of like, it is kind of like a, I have this side holster where this obsession lives mm-hmm. and it's always there, but it's not like a central part of me. Like it's, yeah. you know, I'm carrying it with me. But I don't, you know, pull it out every day. Right. But it's also interesting because um, daily obsessions burn out. I feel like uh, as a younger person, especially in high school, um, I was very clearly obsessed with ska music and the ska scene. <laughs> now that's another episode, Joseph, <laughs> yes, that I could is. do. Um, and I would gladly come back and talk about that. But I, it became my world. Um, I went to ska shows every single weekend and I just wanted to know everything about ska music yeah. and I wanted to like live and breathe it. And I did. I had checkered clothing up the wazoo. I like had checkered on checkered, which I joke is a Scandinavian tuxedo. <laughs> Hello, we love puns. Um, but I, I became obsessed with it. And then I did feel, um, you know, whether I could, uh, you know, point to this just being growing up and entering college and my interest changing. Or could it be that I got burnt out on it? Um, I think that was a little bit of both. I also used to be obsessed with um, the Big Lebowski. I'd go to Lebowski Fest every year and did for six years in a row and had the best time. But it was like my favorite movie. And then I got burnt out on it. And now I can't really watch it. Yeah. Um, But I love the Coen brothers. And if I ever met them, I always joke that I'd be like, hello, papas. (laughs) Hello, papi. (laughs) You taught me well. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I think that it's hard when you have a daily obsession. I think that there is a shelf life on it. And I would never want that to happen. So I try to. And also I'm an adult that has things that are pulling at me like work. Yeah. And a marriage. <laughs> yeah. And that's and I think that's great and healthy to have yeah. like this obsession where like like I'm you glad. said, if you see if you hear a conversation, if you see the link, you hit it. But mm-hmm. beyond that, you can put this aside and then it can be this fun obsession that walks with you from life yeah, from just, when you're four yeah, I could just to think 107. About, mm-hmm, I can think about avocado toast and the apocalypse. <laughs> exactly. And that can be my other obsession. <laughs> you yeah. got plenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to tell people where they can find you on social media and yeah. anything you want to plug? Sure. Um, I'm at Julia Prescott on all the things. Um, I have a podcast that you've been on. Yeah. Uh, great episode. If uh, you guys want to check it out. It was like a month or two ago, whatever. Um probably longer anyway it's called everything's coming up simpsons it's on the feral audio network and then i also host um two monthly shows at meltdown comics one is a simpsons trivia show called stonecutters which is super fun usually we are the first saturday of every month from four to six it's a perfect pre-party it's free um i always make something i'm not a master baker but i'll make something that is like a simpsons food come to life oh cool um i've done uh what have i done like um Ah, cookies and cakes and all that junk. But um, then I also host another show at Meltdown called the Nerd Melt Lecture Series, which is a slightly more educational show that is a panel of professionals that are speaking to a central topic, like how do you go from being uh, an assistant to a staff writer on a TV show? How do you get a pitch meeting? How do you sell a TV show? And I always have panels of people um, like development execs from Shondaland and FX and Comedy Central or, you know, people that uh, um, upcoming one is going to have Alex Hirsch, creator of Gravity Falls and, you know, Dana Gould and people like that. Oh, that's um, awesome. So it's fun. And that one's not free. It's like eight bucks. But yeah, but that's kind of like of going to grad school for eight bucks. <laughs> it is. It's great. And I, I just had another one uh, recently. It was like getting representation. I had my manager on and then 
this other manager, Gerilyn Novia, um, who works at Brillstein, and she represents a lot of comedians. And so they talked about what that's like. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. I will have to check both those shows mm-hmm. out and get out of uh, my home. Yes, please. Where I just sit and obsess. <laughs> <laughs> Here's some quick plugs for this show, and then we'll do our final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram as at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook as at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out my pop culture comedy station on the Anchor app called Headcanon. And for full info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. I will be at DragonCon soon. We'll be doing a live episode of Obsessed there. You can also support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. You get access to our monthly patron-only bonus episode where my wife Sarah and I talk about something we are obsessed with right then. For full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. All right, so final questions. These Mm -hmm. don't have anything to do with your uh, main obsession, but they can if you want. If a Simpsons character came to life and you could hug them, which character would you want to hug in real life? Oh, man. Well, I would say this person, even though they probably smell bad, (laughs) um, Chief Wiggum is my favorite (gasps) side character. Really? I think that it's always a good time when he's invited to the party. I just think he's so funny and the jokes that they write for him are always a delight and... So I would probably hug him. So you would hug him as just a gift for all the joy he's brought you. Yeah. Because as a character, he wouldn't be the first one that I think that like needs or deserves a hug. Because he kind of does a lot of jerk things, right? He, he does, but there is an innocence to him that I think because he is so dopey. Okay. Again, like I said, he probably smells bad just because <laughs> he doesn't seem like somebody that is... He sweats a lot. He eats a lot of donuts. And I don't know. Yeah. But I would give him a hug. I would like to smell donut sweat. Yeah. For sure. What does that smell like? Um, I can tell you. I live with a man. Uh, it's, uh, it smells like any other kind of sweat. <laughs> Damn it. My illusions shattered. If you could burn a word or phrase into the moon, what might it be? Ooh. Um, uh, if off, off of The Simpsons, probably cromulent. <laughs> this is one of the best words that they ever invented or booerns probably yeah oh that cromulent would be good cromulent would be yeah that that's a real dichotomy because cromulent would be like hmm let's look yeah. that up and let's look that in booerns is you sucker you, yeah that actually <laughs> might be the better one because it's like you know we built this great uh telescope that can see on the surface of the moon and it just says booerns and it's kind of like a very bart simpson thing yeah. to do i yeah. think yeah. So you're going with Boo Earns? I'm going with Boo Earns. Nice, nice. Yeah. That's a great answer. The final answer for everyone on the, or final question for everyone on the podcast is, what is happiness? Oh, what is happiness? Um, I mean, I'm going to be super new agey and say that happiness is just uh, living in the moment and um, not worrying so hard about, you know, what you have to do tomorrow or what that means. Uh, I've been tripping out a lot on... Like, again, I said I'm, like, atheist agnostic-y, so sometimes I go down these trippy rabbit holes of thinking where I'm like, it's crazy that human beings have egos because (laughs) ego is not a survivalist thing that, you know, humans need in, like, a very primal way. So I get very tripped out on that, and then that, of course, makes me go... Well, then nothing that relates to an ego really matters. Like, we're all specks of dust, and that what is important right now is 
like being nice to the person that's closest to you, being good to the people that are in your life that, you know, uh, are your friends and your family and just being honest and being a genuine person. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that can foster happiness. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a great, uh, it's a very nice answer. Uh, it is very, uh, there, there's some new agey, but I like new agey. So yeah. I think that's great. I, think I that's dabble in new agey. Well, living you know? in the moment is all, I think that is always a good, yeah. you know, unless it's you're having a really too. horrible moment. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's really good to live in the moment. Here's the thing. I mean, I only say that because it is like the hardest thing for me to do in my yeah. life. Um, I mean, I often and and Allie Gertz, my co-host of uh, the Simpsons podcast, she has to like remind me to celebrate things when good things happen. Yeah, because you're just worried about the next thing. Absolutely. Or, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, for me, a lot of our interaction is like I'll tell her something that's happening and she'll be like, that is so great. I'm so happy for you. I hope you take the time to celebrate this. <laughs> I hope you don't just move on because my my pattern tends to just be like okay what's the next because i also know it's a numbers game in hollywood yeah. <laughs> so i'm like oh i gotta keep moving but i need to take more time to to celebrate in the moment so whenever Allie tells me that i go i'm planning to celebrate i'm planning on it later it's on my <laughs> list i gotta get it done i gotta work it in there somewhere it's but, on my to-do list yeah well that makes yeah. a lot of sense coming a very full circle in the life experience that i got to hear uh, mm-hmm. from you of like hollywood is like an earthquake like there are things that yeah. you can do to manage the earthquake But sometimes things are just going to shake apart and there's nothing you can do about it. That's a great way to tie it back. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, we are uh, helpless to forces greater than ourselves. So what are you going to do when that happens? You're just going to like be here. Yeah. Just relax. Listen to some ska music and think about ghosts at Disney. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I love that. I want to come back for the ska one. (laughs) Absolutely. You're on the list. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. This is great. Awesome. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Um, so there's another ghost story that I didn't get a chance to talk about. And this is a Matterhorn ghost. And it has a really cutesy name. Um, but uh, so this is based off of a real Disney death. So in 1984, a woman named Dolly Young was killed when she was thrown from the bobsled on the Matterhorn. Mm-hmm. Ooh. And that is uh, something that has happened more than once. Um, so now they have precautions for that. But rumor has it that ever since her death, Cast members who are required to walk the tracks when the ride shuts down say that they can hear her, and some cast members call the section of the track where she died the Dolly Dip. I know. And I was reading online that, like, this one cast member was like, yeah, fuck that. I don't <laughs> I don't fuck with that. I always got somebody else to cover it for me. I, it felt spooky. Um, and that they also said that they have, like, this is when they, like, shut down the ride and they have, like, these, like, you know, kind of construction uh, lights yeah. on, these industrial lights, and that the lights never quite were as bright in the dolly dip. Like, they were always out or something. But the dolly dip just sounds so silly. It's like a fucking dance craze. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I definitely want to hear somebody sing the song, Fuck the Dolly Dip. Yeah, Fuck the Dolly Dip. It, but that, that'll be, like, a Macklemore. Like, Fuck the Dolly Dip. Anyway. <laughs>